Get ready for an hour filled with conspiracies, UFOs, ghosts, the paranormal, legends, and myths from around the world. Chasing Prophecy Radio, where the paranormal is supernatural. With your hosts, Sean Kelly, Jenny Nicasio, Bob Dog Pagani. Welcome to the Chasing Prophecy Radio, and here are your hosts, Sean, Bob, and Jenny. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Chasing Prophecy, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. Remember, you can rewind 24-7 on BeaconLightRadio.com and check out Chasing Prophecy on Facebook and Instagram. Learn about upcoming guests on ChasingProphecy.com and chat with us live on Beacon Light Radio chat. There you can rewind 24-7. Remember that. And there's a link on the chat where you can call on. It goes into Skype. So if you don't have Skype, download it. Happy Thursday to all of you. I'm Jenny Nicasio, along with Sean, Sean Kelly, sorry, Sean, and Bob Begani, Bob Dog. Hey, guys, how's it going tonight? I'm doing great. How about you, hon? Oh, I'm hanging in there. What about you, Bob? Oh, I've never been better, Jen. Never. <laughs> never. Never better. With a, hint, and, with a hint of sarcasm. Yeah. Okay. I love the sarcasm. It makes me smile. <laughs> any any nightmares last week? I did. You did? Yeah, Tell I did. About. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. In fact, it was like like back to back. Uh, the first <laughs> nightmare I had, it was like, you know, I'd had an out-of-body experience. And... <laughs> There were two lions in my backyard eating people. The second one was happened last night. It was really creepy. I dreamed it was like a bunch of Vikings attacked my house and pillaged my house. Oh, my God. And they Viking. were coming after me. I don't have a clue why. It, it was like so real. Like I did, had another out-of-body experience. And I was like right there watching it happen. It really, really freaked me out. And whenever I get like that, I come out of it real quick. And boy, I could not get back to sleep at all. It just was really, really, really freaked me out. Well, it even great. freaked me out more about the lines. <laughs> I bet. Bob, did you have anything weird happen? Any no, any shadow no people? No nightmares. But no I shadow people? <laughs> No shadow people, but it, actually my nightmare begins at about five in the morning when I turn the daily news on before work. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't even listen begins. to it. You shouldn't <laughs> listen to the news. Well, I mean, you try try not to. I mean, it, it's, it can really mess you up that way. Well, we did have a really interesting show last week with our discussion on sleep paralysis. And I would love to know how many of our listeners had nightmares or visits from shadow people. If you did and want to tell us about it, please give us a call. Remember, hit that link. We have um, a guest, special guest tonight. But first, I have a few things I'd like to mention. Okay. I was trying to find something to watch last weekend, and there was nothing on the television except news on, you know. And I came across a show called Paranormal Caught on Camera. I don't know if any of you guys saw it. Um, it's on. I think it's on almost every weekend they have it, and it's on yep. the Travel Channel. Have you seen it? Have you seen it, Sean? Yes, I have. A couple, they, uh, many a times, really. Well, they have I some really. Like yeah, they have some really scary footage. So have so you ha- you do watch it then? Yes, I do. And what I like about it, because being in the paranormal field for over thirty years, I like to debunk it. You know see if it's actually legit or not legit so you're like that uh, skeptic i would uh i would say maybe maybe four out of ten are some very good ones the other ones are setups that people set up you you think they're set up what about you Bob? have you ever saw it absolutely i have seen it and uh some of some of the more interesting ones i've seen is uh, uh people that were were doing like a live time YouTube video or something for uh, you know an advertisement or for family or something, and then something strange would happen behind them, uh, unbeknownst to them, until somebody brought it to their attention. And uh, there was some scary stuff. Some yeah, scary it, stuff. I think that's when you you actually see it when you don't expect to see it. It's like 
it's like a hidden inside a picture. My son always finds these crazy things, but they had some, I mean, it was really creepy. And I'll, I'll tell you, there was a couple of the videos. One was at a hospital and I was kind of freaked out because when I went to bed that night, it was really scared me. And I had to turn the lights on as I went up, went up, you know, upstairs. But if you ever catch anything and you caught something, anything paranormal, ghost, UFO, or something creepy on a video or picture, please post it to our Facebook page. And then we'll discuss them on the next you know, upcoming show. I think that would be a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, I just wanted to let our listeners know every first Thursday starting in September is going to be a free-for-all paranormal. The whole show will be devoted to our audience where we can call in and report anything paranormal, any kind of activity, sightings, strange things in the sky, any anything, missing 411 cases, or we'll discuss legends and myths. So that's going to start July 2nd with Sean. We're going to talk about Sean and his paranormal society. And that's going to be like an open, we'll just talk about anything. So any callers can call in and we'll, we'll just discuss things. And you can tell us about, Sean, you can tell us about your paranormal society investigations, past, present, and future. And I'd maybe be happy to do that. That'll be awesome. Maybe even have your crew with you. So that would be cool. So I think, think I can make that happen. Okay, great. Well, moving on. I couldn't sleep yesterday, the other night, while scrolling on Facebook. I came across this Facebook Live, and I'm not sure if any of you guys, any listeners, have if you heard of him. Um, Dave, I'm not pr- really sure how I'm pronouncing his name. It's David Said Ever Live Facebook page. I might be pronouncing killing his last name. One of the chats posted um, up tweet by a person called Nick R at you are awaken. And I'm not familiar with him or his beliefs, although I was so intrigued for what he was reading, you know, what I was reading. He posted a Twitter feed. Um, and I'm going to read it because I thought it was really crazy. And the original tweeter posted, um, oh gosh, it was on, I think two nights ago. And there were also FBI documentation docs by it. So here we go. This is what, what it said. It said, at John F. Kennedy Jr. yesterday, they show why he had to stage his death and disappear. After being posted, Twitter shut down the account. He also stated that a big announcement was coming and sooner than previously planned. It's happening. Share. Wow. What do you guys think about that? I, mean, I I don't know if I believe in anything like that conspiracy that John, John F. Kennedy Jr. is alive or not, but I love these conspiracy theories. So what do you, do you guys think about it? Um, I think he is alive, to be honest with you. Um, I do believe that um, with so much, uh, you know, dirty, dirty laundry and stuff like that in Washington, D.C., definitely. And... Uh, He's out for revenge. I do believe that wholeheartedly. Um, it, it was an interesting feed. Bob, what do you and, think? Uh, uh, Bob, well, Jim, you and I had discussed this previously. I, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty certain he perished in the uh, in the water that particular night. And uh, I've read a lot up on it. And nothing, no, it would take a heck of a lot to convince me otherwise. Well, I thought that too after, but I started going on all these different YouTube um, videos and and I went further into this guy's um, Twitter account and he has a 180 page original FBI documentation that is on the FBI's website. And there was a plan, a couple plans to kidnap JFK Jr. There's an article and um, I'm pretty sure I posted it earlier on the website, but it is really in depth and I looked over it and I don't know, there were some things in there that really scared me. And I also read in there, there was a, there was a threat by Joe Biden to JF Kennedy Jr. There were police reports. So I went back to the Facebook live link and started seeing all kinds of phrases, the awakening, the Alliance. I thought I was reading a chapter in my younger book, you know, from the sky, a chapter in the novel, mm-hmm. because I do talk about the Alliance, but I had no idea what I was, it's like I was having this psychic, you know, premonition or something. 
And the further I read, the more terms that I've never heard of, like cabal. And I know of the deep state, and but I never heard of this term. And I talked to Jennifer, the producer, about it a while ago. Q, 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 Aon. I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing that. QAnon. QAnon. And I talked to to Jen about that. But Sean, Bob, we have a special guest who's going to help us understand a lot of this stuff. So he's going to help us understand it and our listeners to what it means. And if you already know about it, you might have a better understanding by the end of the show. But that's where we go into our wonderful, famous guest, Dave Vera. He's a famous sci-fi author. Conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> theorist, a host of On the Edge with Dave Barra. He's authored the Lightship Chronicle series from Daw Books, including Impulse, Starbound, and Defiant. His other works include Saint Cochran's work. I probably screwing that up too. Yeah. Speed, speed. <laughs> okay, you can repeat. You can go ahead and fix it for me. Speedwing. Speedwing. Yeah, that's a young adult novel, sci-fi uh, novel. So yeah. Star. I mean, he's 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 got so many cool books. Chronicles of David. Um, Dave grew up and a fan of the Gemini and Apollo space program and dreamed of being an astronaut one day. Since that time, he's restricted his journeys into space to the written word. He lives in Washington, a little about twenty-five miles from Seattle. His book Impulse may mirror real life someday. After I read that, Impulse is an adventure action story set about 700 years from now when mankind is just emerging from the dark age caused by a destructive civil war there are many fractions of fighting for control in this new age and young adult book and i met dave last year i'd say about august on facebook yeah and and i was on his show and so dave welcome to chasing prophecy i'm so glad to have you in the house thank you how are you how are you tonight well, considering I'm, I mean, those 25 miles between where I am and where Seattle is have never been more precious to me than they are today. Um, yeah, how am I doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, the rest okay. of my area here is is struggling quite a bit with um, with getting their heads out of their butts and um, trying to maintain some form, get some form of leadership and things like that. It's a pretty bad situation, but it's what I've kind of become used to over the years. From, wow. from living here, but I'm doing good. Well, I was, was watching the news and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe that. And that's when, I think that was when I was like watching it and I, I texted or Facebook messaged you, how far are you from Seattle? Because this is crazy stuff. Yeah, it is crazy stuff. And, you know, I, I used to, I grew up in the city in, in a place called West Seattle, which is kind of a little peninsula that sticks out over the, the um, Elliott Bay, which is famous waterfront of Seattle. And now I grew up in the city. I went to the city public schools, uh, elementary school, junior high and high school. Um, and it's just really been sad and difficult to watch it go um, downhill so badly. And uh, I think Seattle's now at a place where hopefully, I mean, you know, I, I don't really want to be here anymore. Um, I'd rather go someplace that makes a little more sense. But, uh, yeah. you know, having grown up in the city, it's pretty difficult to watch my city basically get go under because there are people that can't exhibit simple leadership. So it's pretty yeah. tough. It is pretty yeah. tough. And I, I neglected to say that you are the host of On the Edge with Dave Barron. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I listened to it last night. And let me tell you, buddy. I had a hard time figuring out who was talking because yeah. your brother, Mike, was on the show. Yeah, we're twins, and um, we do sound a lot alike. I've, people have told me my voice is a little deeper than his, so that's about the only way you can tell us apart. They, they claimed we weren't identical twins, but I, I think we both think as we've gotten older that we, in fact, are identical twins. But well, it, we'll You guys look alike, and you sound alike, and it was really difficult for me to figure out who was doing the talking, but it was a great show. Your show was a great precursor to, to tonight's show. A lot of cool stuff was mentioned, and I want to touch upon those topics, but first I want to discuss your work, okay? Okay. I just finished listening to Impulse. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to tell you I'm jealous. I mean, I, I just can't believe it. You have accomplished what every writer dreams about. You did it, Dave. You I got did. your yeah. You did it. Yeah. You did it. You know, it, it is very hard to get into publishing, but it's, it really was always a dream of mine. I mean, I, I've talked this over with my brother at length and I think we were, we were both born 
and came into the world at a time when space science fiction was very, very important. And I do think we were both destined to um, do something in in this arena. Getting back to, so it was, so what did you do? Because that's, like I said, I never got, I was never fortunate enough to get picked up by one of the big fives. Well, not yet. Well, not yet. <laughs> well, I, ha- I, I always seemed like I didn't have an agent. So do you have an agent? I do have an agent. My agent is uh, named Joshua Bilnes, and he's out of New York with the uh, Jabberwocky Literary Agency. And that's probably, he's probably one of the top one or two um, agents for science fiction and fantasy uh, in New York. Very well known. He's been around for a long time. Some of his clients are, oh God, what was the name of the show? True Blood on HBO. Oh my God. Those books. Oh, Charlene Parrish. He's there. He's her agent. And so there's a lot of famous. So um, lucky, man. Stable mates. Jealous. Hook me up with one of them agents. (laughs) That's that's part of what we do. You know, that can be done. Um, But but basically, I, you know, I set myself some goals around 2004. Five, when I got really serious about it, I, I told myself, okay, in five years, I either want to have a book contract or I want to have a top literary agent. So I got the agent in four years. It took me four years to get that. And I originally had written um, what became Impulse. It was called Reunion Day at the time. And that's what initially got him him hooked. And so we worked on that manuscript, he and I together for about a year. And then he sent it. He sent it out to all the major publishers and about seven or eight different places. Awesome. And then, and then we waited. We waited for about three years. And then suddenly, after three years, there were um, multiple offers on the table. One from the UK, uh, three here in the United States. Wow. And it's like, yeah, you wait all this time. And then by the time we signed the deal and everything, the book wasn't going to be published until 2015. So it actually oh. took about eight years from the time I started writing it until it was actually out. But, um, and that's kind of sometimes how it works in the business. It's not, it's not an easy business and they're tough on you. And um, you sometimes have to make changes to stories and things you hadn't planned on, but Dave, I want to say, this is this is amazing, and I wish I would have been as patient as you. My problem was I'm not patient, and I want yeah. I want it now. I don't want to wait. And I got I got screwed by three different publishers, and then that's when I just said heck with it and did it myself. But uh, bravos to you. I think it's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate but that. Getting back to impulse, right. um, how similar is the main character? Pete, is it Peter? I can't remember. Yeah. How similar is it you to him? I would say that, well, he's a lot more confident, athletic, and adventurous than I am. But besides those You live vicariously through him, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I think think mainly um, the biggest similarity between he and I is um, sort of we look at the world and the universe the same way morally, if you will. I mean, I always, I always loved books that had heroes uh, growing up, and I always believed in, in – I do believe. I still believe in heroes. I'm still waiting to see if we have any in the modern era. But um, I think I have strong belief in that type of person that people, when they're challenged, can rise to the occasion and become you know, something more than maybe they would have otherwise. And he's someone who could have lived a, an easy life, a life of luxury – um, but he chose not to. And I think that's probably the same type of decision I would have made were I him. So, um, yeah, I similar in that way. Um, I was a lot different person at the age that you know, he was 20, 23, basically when the book starts. And, um, I was a lot different person at 23 than he is. He's a lot more mature, but then I have the, the advantage of years looking back and, and being able to make the, the character see things that I, I probably didn't see myself when I was living through those years. So, um, but really it's an action adventure story. In a lot of ways, it's a coming of age type of story. Um, and look, he's a young guy. He likes the girls. He likes, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> shooting things up and he's uh, pretty adventurous. And, uh, you know, so that was, I think it was a good character to write. I, I've still got something left for him somewhere down the line. 
but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it worked out in the end about as good as it could for him. When the story starts out, the, the, um, he mentions his brother's death. Right. Derek. Now yeah. you have a toy, like your twin brother. How right. did that, how did that impact you writing it? Well, honestly, it really didn't affect me that much because I, I refer to that as the dead brother rewrites. Um, <laughs> we were getting pretty close on, on uh, the deal and everything and the books and they wanted some, they needed something they felt to motivate him some more. So I came up with, I always knew he had an older brother. Um, he was always a second son, which if you go back to medieval times, the second son was often, you know, shuffled off to the court of some foreign duke or something like that. It happened quite often and they never really inherited um, what the father you know, the father's titles and stuff. You look back at Royal Society in Europe. And and um, for him, he never really planned on being the guy put into the, in, into being, you know, the lead for his whole family and all that stuff. Um, and although he doesn't get a lot of the advantages that, that they got back in those days, he gets a lot of the responsibilities. So in, in writing it, I was like, okay, well, how is this going to affect him suddenly being burdened with all these responsibilities? And so that's kind of how I approached it. Um, for my own brother, you know, I he's just he's kind of a contemporary with me, so I don't have like the the respect that I would have maybe for an older brother. He's just he's just you know my bro, and so <laughs> it didn't really impact how I wrote that or how I approached it because there's a different kind of relationship. Cool. So. Well, I can understand. Well, you're twins, so you're basically yeah. the same age. So. Yeah. Yeah, basically, we've we have had a lot of shared experience. A best friend. I mean, he's your best yeah. friend, right? Yeah, oh, I, I, I always, when I was growing up, I always had somebody I could beat in basketball. So I probably <laughs> beat up quite a bit and beat up. <laughs> yeah, and beat up. Is he, well, he you was, the one that beat him up, or did he beat you up? <laughs> no, I, mostly it was me. I think, and um, <laughs> uh, I was the I was the top guy there. And uh, but he was really good at tennis. He he um he was really really good at tennis. But I still beat him quite often. Um, because I just simply refused to lose. So it was, <laughs> if any part of the racket was fair game for me, but he was a really good, he's a very good tennis player and uh, always better than me. So That's cool. Hey, Bob, do you have a question or Sean have a question for him before I take all the questions? Because I have so many I could spend all night. You're just, you're doing a splendid <laughs> job. Just. You are doing a splendid job. <laughs> yes. Okay. There we go. Dave. Yeah. Um, when did you decide you wanted to be uh, was growing up sci-fi? I mean, that's a tough one because that's sci-fi is a tough one to write. Well, I'll I'll be honest with you. I mean, some of my earliest memories that I, besides a couple of family memories that I have, the earliest memories I have are of the um, the space program. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember when John. Just let's see how old I am when John F. Kennedy. Uh, yeah. was killed and there was a lot of very somber music on radio and television. I don't remember many details, but I remember um, you know, I remember the space program and so it's always been kind of in my blood. Um, I started reading science fiction very seriously in my um, early teens, late late primary years, like 10, 11, 12. I read younger stuff, and as I got into my teens, I started reading more mature stuff. I tried reading Dune um, when I was about thirteen or fourteen, and that was way over my head. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't get that. It's a fantastic book, but which I learned to appreciate over the years. But I probably read somewhere nature of four or five hundred uh, books. Anything oh I get my hands on between about twelve and eighteen. That's and why you're that's such really, a great author. Well, I, yeah, I'm stealing from everybody. I'm probably stealing from guys that have been dead for years and don't know that I'm stealing from them. But <laughs> I mean, I don't even know that I'm stealing it, right? But you do absorb all this stuff and you kind of get a feel for um, for style and for, um, you know, what uh, what kinds of, of things you want to write yourself. What did you like? What did you not like? So um, in many ways, it's it's that type of experience. It's a sort of you absorb this this great, you know, collection of stories. And I think that does channel through you and come out um, when you're writing. Well, you do it wonderfully. I have to say that. I 
I, I can't believe I have a, I have a friend that's a famous writer. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, yeah. I have a I do have a question. Sure, good. go for it. Uh, you, you're 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 big on the space program and right. the and the sci-fi and whatnot, and it just throw it out there. It, did we land on the moon in 1969, or was it all fabricated? You know, it's a good thing my brother's not in here because he'd get really mad right about now. Um, yes, we landed on the moon. We went to the moon. We went there all, what, five or six times on those missions. Um, I remember as a kid that being able to stand outside on my back porch with my dad and my brother, and we got my dad's binoculars, which he brought home with him from World War II, and looking up in the sky and being able to see the um, – NASA, the Apollo 11 command module coming back to Earth. So mm. uh, we definitely went. There were plenty of good reasons to go. Um, those weren't necessarily the reasons that were shared with the public. But um, I think them trying to say that we never actually went is trying to cover up for the real reasons that we did actually go, which are that there's a ton of stuff on the moon that's artificial and it's not ours. It belonged to somebody else. And a lot of those missions were there specifically to get stuff to bring back for us. Yes, to, to I've, I've heard that. I, and I, yeah. I'm in the process but, of reading a book called Moonshot right now. And it's, right. it's uh, you know, about landing on the moon and the, the guys that actually did. Yeah. And it's interesting, but and most least we went. Most of the astronauts, if you if you, when they're asked directly, they're I mean, if you watch their body language, they went, they they did this thing. Now yeah. it was cut short in in the official, um, in the official program, the Apollo program was shut down. Did we continue to go to the moon after that secretly on military missions? I believe we did. Um, I believe we've been there many many times. We may even have people up there on bases already. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe have for quite a long time. It's not, it's going to the moon is not that difficult um, in terms of, um, I mean, we're doing it for the first time, right? When, we, when the Apollo missions came along, it's the first time anybody had actually tried to get there. Right. And and so as time has gone on, I think it's probably something that's relatively easy to do if you apply the proper funds and the proper uh, engineering to the task. It's it's not that difficult, um, but people continue to have problems. I mean, it, India, nation of India, tried to land a a lander on the moon, and it suddenly got off course um, a couple miles above the surface and crashed into the ground. Well, I think there's a reason why it got off course, but no one in their their, their space program maybe knows what that reason is. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracies around the moon, but I, I'm pretty sure we went. I'm sure it was to gather uh, so a lot more than just rocks. So Why don't you tell us right. what they were gathering, Dave? <clears throat> well, um, you should go to my brother, um, my bro- some of my brother's books. I hate to keep hitting, you know, giving him um, free publicity, but he writes <laughs> about this stuff. Rock. I mean, I speculate about it. He writes about it in depth. He does a lot of research. This is his. That's his bailiwick. Mine is, is writing sci-fi. Um, Alien technology? Yeah. Um, okay. There's a there picture of a, there's one that's most famous to me. It's in a book called, um, oh, it's sitting right here in front of me, believe it or not. It's called Ancient Aliens on the Moon. And this is one of the first books he wrote for the, the publisher. And there's hundreds of pictures in here, many, many pictures. But there's one in particular for, I, I believe it was Apollo 14. I'm not sure if I'm getting this right, and he'll kill me um, if I tell him the wrong one. But there's a a crater near where they went um, on Apollo 14, I think. And it's called uh, Shorty Crater. Don't know why it's called Shorty Crater, but that's what it's called. Um, Inside this um, crater, there is what appears to be uh, a robotic head. That looks like a human head. It's got eyes, it's got a mouth, it's got a nose, but it looks to be mechanical in nature. And, and that's right on the Apollo photographs, by the way. And there's bazillions of Apollo photographs that have these weird anomalies, anomalies on them. Um, but that's one of the ones that's most um, 
interesting to me you in the color versions of the photo you can even when you close up on it you can even see there's a red stripe across the top of what would be the mouth area of this thing it definitely does not look like a rock and it's a red stripe uh on the moon was not red is not a color that appears on the moon. <laughs> okay so it looked to be completely it looks many many things but it, especially in that book he covers a lot of different things but um yeah there's a lot of stuff up there. Um, I personally think that it's from a previous human civilization that lived up there. I believe, I mean, a lot of people have written about this. Edgar Casey talked about this, but I believe there was a higher civilization on Earth many thousands of years ago um, that had, there was some kind of physical catastrophe that happened. And that may, may have been some type of pole shift or it may have been a, meteor strike or something, but essentially kind of reset everything and destroyed that civilization. That's what I believe. Wow. And uh, I've come to believe that in my later years. I wasn't that way as a kid, obviously, but well, there's enough weird stuff up there to keep you busy for a long, long time. So you think that they were uh, a higher powered um, civilization that was like destroyed of some place? Yeah. Like, yeah we're, about, where was, we're going right now. I think it was probably... <laughs> Uh, maybe a hundred years more advanced than us um, than we are today at the time that this happened. But, you know, we're in the same peril every day too. I mean, a comet or a meteor that's large enough could hit and basically wipe out our civilization um, pretty easily. And, And that can happen almost any time. Now, I don't know all the details. There's lots of speculation about that. And it is kind of sci-fi like, um, I might, I might want to take a shot at writing about it in fiction, fictionally. Yeah. That would be awesome. Someday. But it's, yeah, there's just a, there's too much stuff both on the moon and on Mars um, to not look at it and think, wow, there's, there's something weird going on in both those places for sure. That's totally awesome. Uh, I believe we didn't NASA leave a lot of stuff on the moon also. We yeah. Left, we left stuff up there. So if, yeah. This is an interesting thing too. One of, and I think Mike talks about this in Ancient Aliens on the Moon as well. But one of the things we left up there was basically a um, a seismometer, and also a device that would um, basically kind of cause a moonquake, an earthquake on the Moon, if you will. And we left that up there. And after they'd been back from the Apollo programs, they they turned this thing on and. Uh, it it did made the sonic sound it was supposed to make and the interior of the moon rang like a bell for something like three days that would imply that the interior of the moon was hollow and um it's a bizarre it's another bizarre story but it's actually science it's science it was done by nasa and um so those are the types of things that that make you think yeah what did we leave up there what did we um and and since then, really, I mean, it's been what almost 50, more than fifty years since we first landed on the moon. And and do I think the military has been back to the moon? Yeah, I think they have many many times, probably. We opened the show talking about the Twitter post about JFK Jr. What are yep. your thoughts about that? Um. Well, again, Mike on his on his uh, YouTube channel, Mike Barra B A R A. Uh, he's got a very he's done a lot of work on this, and I've seen his work. Um, this is a good thing about having him as a brother. I get to uh, I get to watch him uh, work a lot now. His mind works, and um, I'll say this: okay, the woman who is supposed to be JFK Jr.'s wife, mm-hmm. Carolyn Bissett Kennedy, uh, I've seen enough video and pictures of her and compared her to what Carolyn Bissett looked like when they supposedly were were killed to say that it's the same woman. 20 years on and in one one picture she's even wearing a ring that um was given to jfk jr from his mother uh jackie onassis kennedy oh. um and she's got this ring on in, at one of the trump rallies that she's at um no question about that's something you guys should really go check out it's pretty cool um but there's no question that to me that it's the same woman. She has the same ears, the same nose, the same teeth. 
uh, the same smile. She's got a terrific smile. She's wearing this ring that's almost that literally is identical to this ring, the heirloom ring of Kakyonas that's passed down to her son. Um, as for JFK Jr., I'm not sure what's going to happen with all of that. I, I Mike has done an analysis of this guy, Vincent Fusca, who is supposedly John F. Kennedy Jr. in disguise or something. And I think the thing that's pretty freaky for me about it, not only are the eyes in the exact same spot and the mouth and the chin, not only is all of that stuff, he had 20, 22 years of time to his age then, which I think was 38 or something to that nature. And he looks like he could be a 50-year-old a man that's you know in his fifties rather than than um, than younger, be about my age. Um, but the freaky thing is, Mike has compared the guy's hands, and there are veins in this guy's hands that match the exact same pattern as the veins in John F. Kennedy Jr. And oh, there's wow. no way you can't fake that, and you can't um, you can't really make that happen in terms of, you know, makeup or disguise or anything. It's something that either is or isn't. And that's what's creepy, that's what's, what's creepy about it. Um, do I think he will be revealed? I think it's very, it's possible. Um, I am hearing that things are going to happen in the next few weeks on July 3rd, uh, around possibly the 4th and also on the 5th. Um, so I do think that one of those things could be, John F. Kennedy Jr., but I think that may actually happen later. Okay, so why would he fake his death? Um, the Clintons were trying to kill him. And, and if you know any anything about the Clintons and how many people, pardon me, how many people have ac- accidentally you know committed suicide around them, I think it's up to fifty six people that that knew them um, have died and probably fifty six. Probably more now, a lot more than you or I would know casually that had died. Um, the rumor was that that they'd gotten wind of the fact that that uh, Hillary was going to try to kill him because he was going to run for the New York Senate seat in the year 2000. And of course, if he had done that, he would have destroyed Hillary in an election. Um, he would have won hands down, and uh, she would never, you know, she would have faded into history at that point, probably. Um, so there was this rumor, supposedly, that they knew um, there was a plot. And so they created an elaborate ruse, a hoax, to escape and basically live underground. And the rumors are also that they had they had help from a very rich man who happens to be uh, the president of the United States. Oh, my. Trump. So um, he was very good friends with JFK Jr., um, there's a lot of photos of them together, together at basketball games, all kinds of things. So um, they were very close. The other, the really odd stuff that we get into, um, can get into is there's actually like a recording, okay, of supposedly an FAA spokesman on Martha's Vineyard, okay? And the guy talking is saying, oh, the plane went down in this much water and we're not sure if we're going to be able to find it, blah, 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 blah. And somebody took that recording and compared it to a recording of John F. Kennedy Jr.'s voice. And they're virtually identical. It's like John F. Kennedy Jr. was faking reporting about his fake death on the news. It's from a CNN uh, clip. It's pretty amazing. Hey, where can, you, can you still listen to this? T- I, I Well, you can get this stuff on the internet. People have oh it. It's better. I have to do some serious research on this. Oh, you do. A, let me tell you, the rabbit hole is deep. And it's dark, and there's a lot of weirdness there. But uh, if you start looking at it from the context of they were trying to escape being murdered, then um, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. So it's just about the Senate. It's not nothing else that he he run a, a newspaper, well, a magazine. Maybe they were going to do an explosive. Yeah, he did run a magazine. Yeah, he, a magazine called George. And um, right. yeah, they could have run exposés on the Clintons at any time they wanted. Um, but I do think they were looked at as opposition to Hillary. And I think what you have to look at is you have to look at the alignment between um, the Bush family, the Clintons, the Obamas. Um, it's pretty stark if you go back through the history 
it's pretty amazing when you look at some of the, the, the old photographs. I mean, there's photographs of Bill Clinton when he's barely 20 years old and he's sitting at a, um, at a, uh, uh, like a picnic table outside next to George Herbert Walker Bush, the, the older President Bush. And, and he's sitting there, he's like 18, 19, 20 years old, he's sitting there next to George H.W. Bush. Bush. Well, how, how would he possibly know him? Yeah. So um, there's all kinds of connections between these families. And uh, John F. Kennedy was always an outsider. And um, he made himself an outsider. And he, thus he made himself a target of the people on the inside. If you want to call them the deep state or the cabal or whatever you want to call them, he definitely made himself a target. And I think JFK Jr. was probably a target as well. Okay, for people who don't know, because I don't know what the cabal is, um, I just started learning what Q is. Well, I want you to explain this stuff to us because I'd like to know more about it and I'm sure our audience would too. Well, um, the cabal, as it's called, is really a name for an international group, probably, that's um, old bloodline families, royal families. You've heard the names before, Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and um, the Habsburgs. Um, these families are still in control of many, many um, uh, central banks around the world. And um, they control basically the world financial system through these central banks. The United States, of course, central bank is the Federal Reserve, which is not a public bank. It is not a bank of the United States. It's a private bank owned by all these different people. So all the money that's going around the world and, and being taken from people uh, goes through this central bank scheme, which has been around for a couple hundred years now. Um, how QAnon fits in, uh, Q has started, they started about 2017. It was a group starting by October of 2017. And they think it's more than one person. It probably is more than, than one person. Um, it's a group of people that I believe are, are probably patriots. And what they are doing is sharing information. Um, and giving people tips about things that might be coming, and also making sometimes predictions about things that might happen in the future. Some of them come true. There are a lot of people that believe um, wholeheartedly in Q and what they call Q proofs. Um, I'm not quite so sure about all of it. I do think there's a group of people out there trying to do good uh, for the country, but they also could be trying to distract us from what's really going on. So I'm not 100% sold on them yet because I haven't seen um, arrests and things of that nature of people that we know have committed crimes, um, whether it be the Russian hoax or um, attempted coup. Uh, there's been a lot of action activity that's that's been done. Lying, you know, FBI agents lying, FBI directors lying in front of Congress. Um that's been well documented. And these people should probably be in jail already. And you, you probably know all the names, but yeah. Q is more about getting that stuff out. Um, so Q is interesting to read. Um, I, I take everything with a grain of salt, not a huge grain of salt. Let's say a small grain of salt. Um, but I do think that they are um, the Q group of people that are operating are working for the good of the country and they're having to work behind the scenes because the deep state, which is the, the name we kind of give the, the group here in the United States is very, very deep. It runs through Hollywood um, and the entertainment industry. It runs through the music industry. It runs through um, um, politics, judges, um, every kind of, you know, state department, all kinds of, of, of areas like that. Um, a lot of the COVID stuff, I think, is deep state propaganda. It's not an actual fact. Um, so it's a very big, pervasive, de facto form of government um, that has taken over the United States. There, people don't understand that there really is, there's, a, there's two different types of government. A de facto government is what we have now, which is the people that are in power appear to be the real people running the country. Um, 
and they are running the country, but they're not legitimate. They're not part of the Republic of the United States. There's a corporate entity called the United States of America Corporation. And Donald Trump is currently the, the chief executive. That's why they call him the nation's chief executive. He's chief executive of the United States of America Corporation. So that's what's running your government. And it's happened a lot because if you go back into the Civil War times, when those states, the southern states, left the United States, left the Union, as they like to say, <clears throat> basically the government at that point, the republic ended at that point. Um, and to bring them back in, they had to invent a new a new system, and that new system was to incorporate the federal government and incorporate states. That's why whenever a city is formed, a new, a new jurisdiction is formed, they call it incorporation, because literally they are making incorporation. So uh, it's a very pervasive, the deep state is, it goes way back uh, more than 100, probably 150 years to around the Civil War time or even before. Um, the United States has always been under the influence of foreign banking interests, um, because they controlled a lot of things uh, back in the day. So, I mean, when you get into it, it goes really, really deep. Um, I would just recommend starting at the beginning. You know, what do you want to look up about? What do you want to find out about? You want to find out about our government? You want to find out about our military? You want to find out about, you know, all these different factions, Hollywood? I think that's pretty well known that there's Hollywood's just a um, cesspool of pedophilia and all kinds of other things. So, you know, it goes, it goes pretty deep. And um, as I get older, I'm getting, starting to recognize these things a little bit more. So that's, yeah. that's a good thing, I guess. So it all goes back to, it seems like it started like the QAnon that started back when Donald Trump was running and we had WikiLeaks. And yeah. It goes back to then. I think a lot of the WikiLeaks stuff is related to the Q stuff. I think maybe it was a precursor. Um, with the Q stuff, I'm pretty confident, or the WikiLeaks stuff, I'm pretty confident that, that they know all these emails that Hillary Clinton had and that other people like John Podesta, who are all hopefully going to go to prison someday soon. Um, WikiLeaks had all these emails. They were not, Julian Assange has even said publicly, no state actor, Russia did not steal these emails and give them to me. Um, they were probably downloaded from um, a Democratic National Committee worker by the name of Seth Rich, who was um, later murdered and probably given to Julian Assange at that time. And that's probably where I got all these these emails from. And they're out there. And I think there are people in the government and in the Justice Department that know um, everything that's in there. And I think it's pretty damning stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are giving up on QAnon because they keep promising, oh, there's going to be arrests, there's going to be arrests, yeah. and it never happens. And Mike and I, my brother and I have discussed that as well, and it is frustrating. I mean, a lot of times they refer to what's going on as a chess game, right, between the good guys and the bad guys. Well, you know, in a chess game, you have to start seeing uh, some some players come off the table. You have to start seeing some pawns or some rooks or some lesser pieces that come off the table. And so far, no, none of them really have come off the table. Um, there have been a lot of arrests of people that are not famous, but there's a lot of very famous government officials and people like that, that uh, could be arrested and probably should be arrested for, for high crimes. Um, and that just hasn't happened. So that's caused, I think, a, 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 a bit of a crisis of confidence. And, you know, now we're, four months out from a, another federal election. And it just seems like the propaganda on the news media is continuing to just batter everybody. Um, you know, we're not seeing anything happening in the public forum that um, really gives me confidence anyway, that, um, that there's going to be action taken before this all goes into an election, which at this point, um, it's 50-50. I think if it was a fair election, Donald Trump, Trump will, will win by a large margin. Um, but it's not going to be a fair election. It's going. They're, they're already setting things up with the mail-in balloting and all that stuff to cheat on a, on a massive level, which is what they're going to have to do. 
to uh, to get a Democrat elected. Yeah. Either way, I don't know if it's going to be. It's if for either way, it's going to be a good outcome. I think it's going to be chaos when it does happen. Yeah. Either yeah, way it goes. So yeah. let me tell you. So before, I mean, we're getting a little late here. I understand yeah. that. But what I wanted to share with you is just a couple of rumors that I've heard, and they're only rumors, so take them with a very okay. long trace. But um, um, supposedly, like I said, there's something's going to happen around the fourth of July, the third, the fourth, the fifth. What I'm hearing. One of the rumors I've heard is that on the 3rd, um, Donald Trump will inform the American public that the U.S. has been governed by a corporation for 150 years, that that corporation is now bankrupt, and that the original Republic of the United States has now been restored to power. That's one of the rumors Mm. that I've heard. Mm. Um, On the 5th, supposedly, a man who claims to be the king of England, the true king of England, who can trace his roots back to Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII. Um, supposedly, this guy is going to be announced as the new king of England on the 5th of July. This is one of the rumors that I've heard. And um, if you look at what's happening over in the UK, um, the queen left Buckingham Palace, which has been the traditional seat of power, of the English monarchs for a long time. She's left Buckingham Palace. She's gone someplace else. We're not really sure where she is. Um, And the royal crest um, has vanished from the front of Buckingham Palace. So um, really hard to say what's going on, but there's a lot of things in motion. It's very fluid right now. And I think we'll know a lot between now and... uh, between now and the election, I think we're going to know a lot more than we know right now. Wow. Well, it's, I could sit here all night and listen to you, but we can't. Yes. We're getting down to the number. So, Dave, it was a pleasure having you on tonight. Where can listeners learn more about you? Um, they can find me um, on Facebook. They can find out. I have an author page and I have a, a public page on Facebook. The author page is Dave Barra SF Author. So you can find me there. Um, Twitter. I'm on Twitter as D Barra Writer Guy. I have a website which I is really badly out of date that I need to update. Um, that's www.davebarra.info. And of course, my books and all that type of stuff is available on Amazon and lots of other places as well. So, well, great. Well, it was great to have you tonight. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. See you for again. Sure. Well, Thank you, Dave. You guys, it's about that time. Um, You can check out my author page on Amazon for my trilogy. And guys, um, next week we have producer director of Kexburg. Um, He'll be on the show. And I want to thank all you guys for tuning in tonight and go to my page. Um, There's a link there for a 5% discount on hemp works for our first responders. Remember you can rewind 24 seven on beaconlikeradio.com. And thanks for joining us tonight.